evening. Good to see y'all here today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, be turning to the book of 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. We'll begin reading there shortly. While you're turning there, let me uh, visit with you for just a few minutes. And I may have to get some of y'all to help me that are a little bit older to uh, re recall the name of a certain gizmo here in a minute. But I remember when I was a little boy watching my older brothers, and I'm the youngest of five, as most of y'all know, and they were mowing the yard. And uh, we wasn't the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. And we didn't even have a gas-powered mower. We had one of them kind of RL, you remember, you push and it had the blades. That, what did you call that? Real. Real mower. A real mower? We call them a pushing grunt. The reason we call them a pushing grunt was because you pushed a while and then you grunted a while. But we finally, we finally got a gas powered mower and, and I don't even think it was self-propelled. You, you had to push it. But, but I just thought how neat that would be to get them over grass, you know. I, I thought, man, I long for the day that I could do that. Well, now that I'm well into my 50s, I can tell you that I don't like cutting grass that much anymore. You know, I, I, I hate how long it takes. And we, we've got a pretty good yard there where we live. It's, it's probably an acre maybe. I don't know. But uh, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm thankful that I've got a riding lawnmower rather than a push mower, but my perspective about cutting grass has changed. You know, when I was growing up, my mother, she saw to it that we always took a nap. Well, sometimes I would fall asleep before it was nap time, and my mother would have to wake me up just so that I could eat dinner and uh, for y'all folks that, that don't realize this it's breakfast dinner and supper not breakfast lunch and dinner but uh, anyway she'd have to wake me up to eat dinner but each afternoon we took a nap and, and on the days that I didn't want to take a nap I remember laying in bed and thinking how silly is this to be lying down trying to take a nap when it's daylight outside. Nobody sleeps when it's light. You, you sleep when it's dark. Well, today, now that I'm well into my 50s, I like to take a nap. And I take one any chance I get. And most of the time, of course, I, I work. And, and so days that I work, I don't have the opportunity to take a nap. But I've got this recliner at home that just kind of sucks you in if you are there and if I get in that recliner it ain't going to be long I'm going to be asleep now my wife tells me I snore and I don't know I've been sleeping by myself a long time and I haven't ever heard me snore but my wife and kids are really good that tell me I'm snore but my perspective now has changed about taking naps I can remember both of my parents telling me when I was a small boy, uh, uh, to when I, when I left my bedroom to turn the lights out and to turn the air conditioner off. 
And I thought that was kind of silly because, after all, I wasn't going to be gone that long. I was going to come back in there, turn the lights back on, and need the air conditioner on again. But, uh, you know, I just didn't understand their logic at all. But then one day I got out on my own, and one day I got this thing in the mail called a utility bill. And they wanted to take a whole bunch of my money. And uh, now I'm like following the kids around, turning off lights. And, you know, if we're going to be gone for a while, we might cut the thermostat up on the air conditioner so it don't come on so much. Well, what happened? My perspective changed. Age changed my perspective. Financial responsibility changed my perspective. And another thing that changed my perspective is coming to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for life. Because the Bible tells me that when I accept Christ as Lord and Savior, all things become new. And so I got to realize that I have a spiritual lens now. I have a new perspective now to look at life through. And so I got to realize that, that uh, you know, and I got to thinking about this, am I using it? Am I using that spiritual lens. So I want to see today if I'm using my spiritual perspective to look at my life situations. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to uh, let's turn to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and we're going to read three verses. This is going to be one of those sermons where I've got three points. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, let's begin reading in verse 16. Amen? Amen? For which cause we faint not, or do not lose heart, but through our outward man, or though our, though our outward man perisheth, or is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal wealth of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are not seen are temporary, are seen are temporary, or temporal, the Bible says, but that's temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Now keep your Bibles open to these verses. I want to speak to you today about looking at life or we are looking at our life's situations from a spiritual perspective if. And like I said, we've got three points to look at. And, and the first one we see right there in verse 16. Am I using my spiritual perspective that God has given me if I can look at my present life situation and see the spiritual side of what is taking place? Look what, look what Paul says in verse 16. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our inward man is perishing, or our outward man, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. You know, it's easy to live life and just lose heart and want to quit. You know, we all have faced problems of some kind. 
whether it be in our relationships or uh, in our work, that have caused us to think, well, I've had about all of this I can stand. It's time to just give up. But rather than quitting, when we suffer, when we are persecuted, you know, and, and Paul, rather than quitting when persecution had wore him down, Paul concentrated on the inner strength that came from the Holy Spirit. In other words, what I want you to see is we can't let fatigue, we can't let pain, we can't let criticizing force us to shut down. Uh, you know, renew your commitment to serving Christ, just like Paul did. Don't forsake your eternal war reward because of the intensity of today's going on, whatever is happening. Your, your very weakness allows the power of God to strengthen you moment by moment. That's what Paul is saying here. He is saying that my body is not holding up. My outer shell is aging quickly. And Paul knows that he is simply going through the aging process that we are all going through. But he also recognizes that he has put his body through a lot. And I, I can, can kind of understand what Paul has to say. As I told y'all uh, a while back in a sermon that, that uh, I, I've developed high blood pressure. Don't know why, don't know where it come from, but I have. And, and I'm having to deal with high blood pressure. But also I have to deal just like probably everyone in this room, I've got pretty bad arthritis. And I have a lot of aches and pains and, and I hope they're going to stop at some point. But it just kind of seems like I've aged a lot. Me and Ann was talking about, you know, Ann said, well, I, I've got a place where I get ready to go to church. And she said I had to really latch on to something just to get up. I couldn't just get up. And I said, well, Ann, I'm kind of the same way. I get down on the ground. And most of the time before I get down on the ground, I make sure there's something close by if I possibly can, that I can get a hold of to get up. Or I might not get up. But, you know, it just feels like I've aged a lot. And if that's is how I feel, I know what Paul exactly is saying in this scripture that what his body has gone through. You know, if you flip into, you're, you're already in 2 Corinthians. If you look in the 11th chapter, verse 25, you will see that Paul says there, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And a night and day I have been in the deep. Uh, and I also uh, recall, and I remember in Acts 28.3, but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, you remember I preached about this just a few weeks back. You remember Paul gathered that bundle of sticks. And whenever... He, he put that bundle of sticks on the fire. The viper came out and got a hold of it. So Paul had been through a lot. And I can see Paul saying here, my old body is just giving out, and rightly so. But that is not the only way that Paul looked at it. But there are some Christians that can only see this one side. I am suffering, and I am a Christian. And what is going on here? Why am I going through this? Why do I need to go through this? 
Well, and then there are the other Christians that will pretend like they're not suffering, that everything is just fine, that, that you know, they, 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 if you ask them, they say, or you ask them, how are you doing? They say, oh, I'm doing fine. Well, you know that they're hurting. And they knew that they are hurting, but they will tell you that everything is just fine. That is not some super saint way of looking at life by denying what is actually occurring. That is simply phony Christianity. Paul says in this world, my body is aging. I, I am hurting. My body is about ready to give up. My body is more than aging. It is, it is perishing day by day is what he says in the Bible what is what was really happening to him. So Paul says, I'm not going to deny that. But the other way he looks at it, he says, but praise God, I can see something else happening on the inside of me. The outward me is wearing out. It is perishing. But the inward me is, is, is being strengthened. I'm growing stronger every day in my inner me because I know that God is working in me, molding me into the image of Christ. Now that's not some crazy way of looking at life. Paul's approach to looking at life from the spiritual perspective along with the natural perspective goes all the way back to Joseph. You remember in the Old Testament, Joseph was the youngest of all those brothers. And you remember they sold him into slavery. And he told his brothers that what you did to me, you meant for evil. But God meant it for good. Not only for me, but for the good of Israel. I want to tell you something today, folks. You may be going through a lot. You may be going through a lot of difficulty in this life situation right this very moment. But my question to you is, what do you see? What do you see? Do you only see the situation? Do you think, oh man, I'm going through a lot and I shouldn't be going through a lot. Poor, poor, pitiful me. Or are you like Paul and you are looking at what God is doing through your life situation? That spiritual perspective, that is what salvation gives us and folks, we need to start using it. Now my second point is this. I'm using my spiritual perspective that God has given me if I can see the big picture of eternity from just looking at the smallest moments in my life. I want you to look in verse 17. What does Paul say? He says, For our light affection, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, our trouble should not diminish our faith, nor should they delusion us. We should realize that there is a purpose in our suffering. Now, I'm not saying you're going to understand it, but I'm saying whatever you're going through in your life, you're going through for a reason. There is a purpose behind that because problems and human limitations 
have several benefits. And if you're anything like me, you know, I used to be pretty good. I used to be pretty nimble of foot and could get around. And I've told people that I don't know what they're doing to cows these days, but somehow they're breeding them up where they're faster than they used to be. And I was an 18-year-old whippersnapper. I'd just sit there and just slap them and just dare them to try to get me. And if they tried, I'd just flat out run them. Now I'm like, whoo, stay away. Woo! I keep one hand on the fence just in case I need to evacuate the premises. But listen to me. We don't like that. We don't like human limitations but and problems. But they have benefits. Number one, and this is so much important, they remind us of Christ's suffering from us. They remind us of what Christ went through for us. Something else they do, they keep us from pride. I have to tell you, when I was young, I went to school with your brother. I had a certain degree of pride about me. A certain degree of cockiness, of arrogance. My wife will tell you before we got married, I was the biggest smart aleck she ever knew. Pretty much. And she married me. <laughs> she tamed you too. But they keep us from pride. They also, and you see this in this verse, they cause us to look beyond this brief life. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. They prove our faith to others. And lastly, they give God the opportunity to demonstrate His power through our weakness, through our limitations. Paul says, I'm going through what I am going through just for a moment in time but what I can see for that moment in time by God's perspective is that He is building up eternal value for me in heaven. Paul knew that this light affliction here on earth is storing up treasures for Him in heaven. This is not just Paul's thoughts. He is not the only Scripture writer that could see time here on earth in its proper spiritual perspective. 1 Peter 1.24, quoting from Isaiah 46-8, through 8, All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. Peter is reminding believers that everything in this life, I don't care if you're talking about possessions, I don't care if you're talking about accomplishments. I don't care if you are talking about people. Everything will eventually fade away and disappear. Only God's will. Only God's word. Only God's work are permanent. So we, we need to stop grasping on the temporary or grasping at the temporary and focus our time, our energy, our money on the permanent, the Word of God and our new eternal life in Christ. And then there's James. James says it this way, James 4.14. He says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. 
We have no guarantee of tomorrow. You know, I brought that out in the sermon this morning to, to the family where I was. You know, some people want to say, well, I'll get to, to dealing with this Christ guy tomorrow. We don't have no guarantee of tomorrow. Look what James said. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then what? Vanishes away. There is no point in, in, in making plans as though God does not exist. Because the future is in His hands. And that is something that we need to understand as Christians. We sit around and we worry and we fret about what's going to happen to us. We need to understand it doesn't matter because it's in God's hands. You know, life is short no matter how long we live. So we don't need to be deceived in thinking that we have a lot of time remaining to, to uh, uh, live for Christ or to enjoy loved ones. Or to do what we know we should do. We should be busy living for God today. Then no matter where your life ends up, you're, you will have fulfilled God's plan for your life. Are you with me here? Amen. Thank you. Now, the truth is that when we become Christians, it, it should open up our thinking to view what is happening here and now in light to eternity. We, we ought to be eternity thinkers. But unfortunately, too many of us as Christians get distracted by the things or just the moment that we fail to see the big picture of eternity. You know, just like Gerald said last week, I talked to you about being alien. I, I, I talked to a guy this week. Y'all would know him. Grew up here in Melbourne. And he's doing, he, he, he's doing some work at the house for us. Very Christian man. And, and me and him got to visit in just a little short time that I, I was visiting with him. And somehow I got on this subject of being aliens. And he said, you know, Martin, he said, I'm just getting more and more disgusted and frustrated with this place we're living in every day. Amen. He said, because I know there's something better. I tell you that story to say, tell you this. I want you to look back over this past week. I want you to think about this past week. Did you think did you spend any time thinking about eternity or were all your thoughts wrapped up in the here and now and what's going on? Now, I'm not asking you to answer that question aloud. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But you see, our salvation opens up a whole new perspective to look at the time that we are in in terms of eternity now here's the third point I'm using my spiritual perspective that God has given me if 
I can let go of what I see and trust in what God says is actually happening through His Word or through His Holy Spirit. Won't you look in verse 18? It says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporary. They're not going to last. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Our ultimate hope in trouble, in persecution, in suffering, or pain is realizing that this life is not all there is. And a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people say, well, you just live this life, you do the best you can, you do what you do, you get what you get, and you die, and that's it. Hogwash. I don't believe that for a second. There is life after death. The Bible tells us that. Knowing that we will live forever with God in a place without sin and suffering can help us live above anything we face here in this life. One of these days, all this arthritis and hurt I've got is going to go away. But here's the thing. It's hard to let go of something that you can touch, that you can, that you can feel, something that you can not see or touch or feel. In fact, I think it is fair to say that most Christians live every day far more preoccupied with what they can see, what they can touch and feel rather than living by what they cannot say, even though Paul says that that's the way we should live. You know, it's hard to wrap our mind around that if I can see it or I can touch it or I can feel it. And it's in understanding it's only temporary. It's hard for me to think about where my house is as being temporary. You know, I see it every day. I walk into it every day. It seems like it'll last forever. Even long after I'm gone. In my mind, I think it's permanent. But this is where the trust comes in. And, and if I know in God's Word that He says one day He's going to destroy this earth and create a new one, a new earth, if I trust God's Word, then 6949 FM 504 is only temporary. It ain't going to last. So my salvation gives me the trust that I need in God to see what is unseen. To know that it is permanent so I can live my life the way God intended me to live. Not worrying about everything that's going on. And thinking about how in the world are we going to get out of this big mess we're in 
It's going to fade away. It's not permanent. God said, and it's in John, I can't remember, I think it's in the 14th chapter. He said, if I go, help me, help me, uh, Sharon, 14th chapter, if I go to prepare a place, I will come back to take you there. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And He's going there to prepare that so one day we can be there with Him. Why is all this important? Well, we have to go back to verse 16. So that we won't lose heart. There are many Christians living in this world today heartbroken because they cannot see life from the perspective that salvation gives us. They can't understand that there is a better way. There is a better life. There is a better place. So my question to you today, how is your heart? Are you as a Christian living heartbroken? Or are you as a Christian living a life of joy. Because you know God has made a promise. And if God makes a promise, God's going to keep His promise. Let's pray. Father God, we're just so grateful that we have this place to come to, Father, to spend time in Your Word. Thank You for Your Word today and allowing me to proclaim it. Father, help each one of us take this to heart, to study this at length, to study this more at depth on our own time. That we can see that what and where we're living is temporary. That it will fade away. And it will be replaced by something far better. Father, just go with us and give us strength as we go through each day and as we face different situations and different problems, Father, to keep our focus on what we can't see instead of worrying about and trying to cling on to what we can. Father, just forgive us where we fail you. Father, we just ask that you continue to protect us in these troubled times that we're living in. Father, I feel certain that this, this nation has turned its back on You. And we need to call out to Your name to help us get through all the troubles that we see going on. Father, I just pray Your blessing upon everyone here today. I pray that You guide and direct us. Father, I pray for those that are not here, those that we have on our prayer list that are facing a whole degree of, of, of problems, Father. They need your healing touch. This whole world we live in needs your healing touch that can only come from you. Father, we need rain that you can only send. So, Father, just go with us and bring us back at the next appointed hour. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.